Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, Wooden Land Rover Defender, a $90,000 Camel Trophy Discovery, Getting Rivets Out, Ike Goes to Moab, Steve Spends Canadian Tire Money, and we talk about Patreon. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Stephen Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about my cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or check us out on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thanks to everyone joining us today. I'm the bias ply to Stephen's radio, the unsynchronized crash box of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online, Facebook, and Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. All right, Stephen, let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, in the news this week, um, I know you and I both uh, were enamored with the carving of a completely wooden Defender. Uh, a new Defender carved, uh, again, out of wood. Um, on YouTube, uh, there is a uh, Woodworking Art is the YouTube channel. And uh, this gentleman, over the course of, I mean, what could have been two and a half months, I really have no idea how long it took him to make it, uh, carved an amazingly accurate, fully wooden new Defender. Yeah, that's the problem with time lapses. You really, you really can't tell how long they take. But uh, yeah, in a, in in a, I guess a great example of antithetical material use. This uh, Land Rover is entirely <laughs> constructed out of wood, and uh, it is highly detailed. Um, he's uh, fun, fun to watch for this video. I really uh, enjoyed it. Uh, uh, it's a you know combination of machine work and whittling and uh, carving you know with uh, chisels and whatnot, but uh, yes, uh, highly detailed opening and closing doors, fully detailed engine bay, you know working suspension. Uh, it's pretty great. Yeah, it just kept like one upping itself. It would be first of all, okay, he's made a you know block of wood, a defender, like oh, and now now he's hollowing out the interior, and like oh, and now he's made. He's made little doors, and now it has seats. And then at some point, it just gets crazy, and the suspension starts working. The door, he starts slamming the doors, and he's bouncing it up and down. And it's it's really it's pretty impressive, I have to say. I uh, I didn't know that I would fall so deeply in love with a totally wooden new uh, Defender model, but uh, I uh, you know I don't know. I would consider a purchase. I I don't think we're the only ones interested in it. It has you know almost five hundred thousand views on the old YouTube, which is which is pretty impressive. That's like, you know, person stepping on a rake and getting hit in the face kind of territory so far as uh, YouTube videos are concerned. I think it's, uh, you know, anyways, he also did a Range Rover Evoque uh, previously. He's done some Toyotas. He's done some uh, pickup trucks. He's also done like a lot of like Tigers and, and things that are not trucks. But 
but does seem to have recently uh, moved into the uh, carved wooden truck space. So yeah, I mean, you get those kind of views. It's definitely transcending the Land Rover, you know, interest group. I would say it's a it's a fascinating video to watch, and uh, to a certain extent, it reminds me of the uh, you know longtime wooden Land Rover fan. Uh, there's yeah. a couple earlier examples that are noteworthy. Um, one in particular was a uh, a sheet that was, I think, uh, published by Popular Mechanics in the 50s. And it mm-hmm. was basically like how to build a wooden Land Rover. And at the time, a lot of dealerships and uh, automobile manufacturers would take road tests, would take you know, positive uh, media and reprint it and hand it out in their showrooms, right? Right. And this particular one uh, was a plan for a wooden Series 1 86-inch, and uh, they re- the Rover company reprinted it and handed it out in their dealer showrooms. And so I have in my collection of literature and various ephemera uh, one of these plans for, for building this wooden 86-inch Land Rover, and uh, I guess I've been meaning to get around to it for the last decade of actually build, yeah. building one, but I haven't done it. So that, that started my uh, love affair for, for wooden Land Rovers. Or wooden Land Rovers. And then I would say about 20 years ago, maybe, give or take, uh, Dunsfold, I think maybe the, mm-hmm. the wife of Phil Bishop, perhaps, uh, produced a wooden 107 wagon kit. And it was more like a blocks, you know, sort of like you could assemble oh, it yeah, and yeah, disassemble yeah. it. It had like the roof was one panel and the wheels and the platform and the fenders. And, you know, it was maybe like... Uh, a dozen, dozen and a half blocks that built up into a 107 wagon or a pickup, depending on how you assembled it. But uh, yeah, really cool model. And one of them came up recently for sale. I think it was like three or four hundred dollars, kind of, kind of expensive. Holy moly! Wow. But again, it's like that sort of stuff. Again, if you've got all the Land Rovers you want, then you start collecting all the weird Land Rover adjacent collectibles, as we've talked about before. This, coincidentally, Ike, if you wanted to add this to your uh, your collection of wooden Land Rover ephemera, um, you would have been able to go to this gentleman's uh, Etsy store, which is Woodworking Art Crafts. I guess Woodworking Art was already taken, but Woodworking Arts Crafts on uh, Etsy, uh, and pay $1,200 for it, but someone has already beaten you to it as it is completely sold out. So I feel like given the amount of work involved in that particular model, that's like 50 cents an hour. Yeah, well, if it's that. I mean, it feels like, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, I don't know, $25,000 worth of labor and like $9 worth of wood. Like it's really a, uh, it, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't really do have you the s- woodworking. Have you seen the price of wood lately? That's, that's a, a good point. That's a bargain. That's a point. It's a bargain. It's a good point. Especially if it's softwood from Canada, that's very heavily tariffed now. I don't know. I don't know. It's a big it's a big deal. Um but uh yeah, I don't know. It's it, softwood from worth, Canada. Uh, I feel like there's a joke there, but I'm not going to go. Uh, there. Yeah, you know, it's the uh but uh I'm going to reach out to him and see if I can get a uh, completely uh, wooden uh Ike Goss, uh for, <laughs> for my collection of Ike Goss ephemera. So with any luck. Well, if he responds, I would also like a life-size, actually bigger than life-size bust of, of Mr. Stephen Barris. 
Right. We'll get that for the for for out front of the shop. People will come from all around, like a Paul Bunyan statue, uh, all over Oregon. Uh, they'll say far and wide. You have to come to Ike Shop and see this giant, weird wooden bust of somebody that no one knows. Uh, speaking of extraordinarily expensive things, you will come from far and wide to see. I'm not sure uh, if you were following the cars and bids uh, over the past couple of weeks, um, but there was a 19. 19- 92 uh, Land Rover Discovery that just happened to have competed in the 1992 Camel Trophy uh, that sold for no less than $90,000, which I am not sure, but given Camel Trophy's discoveries that I know of that have sold in recent uh, memory, uh, that is, if not the top, certainly near the very top price that uh, that anyone has ever uh, gotten for one. Um, and interesting, because Cars and Bids, which is Doug DeMiro from uh, uh, Auto Trader, uh, it's his sort of by personal, I guess I don't know. It's the it's the car bidding website that he sponsors, and and this is certainly the most expensive Land Rover that's ever uh, sold on the site. And kind of an interesting place to find weird-ish Land Rovers. North Carolina tried to sell their Trek Discovery through that website. It didn't end up selling. I think it 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 uh, closed at about fifty eight thousand dollars, and and didn't uh, didn't sell. But anyways. Camel Trophy is an interesting car, especially one titled in the United States. Um, and uh, Jim West, uh, who along with uh, uh, Dan Ammon were the uh, were the two drivers of the '92 U.S. team uh, car, which this car uh, happened to be. Um, and uh, Jim had actually popped into the thread and was talking about it, and sort of a pretty interesting, pretty interesting going on over the course of the week. Yeah, I uh, caught a little bit of the discussion and the the bidding, and I was also surprised at the final result. But, uh, you know, they're definitely um, a market segment that's in demand. You know, a lot of interest in the the classic Camel Trophy vehicles and and Land Rover reintroducing the the quote-unquote Trophy Edition Defender probably fuels some of that interest uh, for those uh, classic vehicles as well. And you happen to own a very similar vehicle, don't you? I do, yeah. I own a '93 uh, year uh, car, um, but very similar. Um, you know, the '90 '92 '93 car wasn't wasn't that much different. Um, model wise, so far as discoveries are concerned, it was basically uh, the same car. Equipment was uh, was close, and of course, and I know Jim uh, well, and uh, and I know that he's you know he's told stories about that car. It spent an evening at the bottom of a river. Uh, some other some other things about that uh, car. It was used as the U.S. Uh, training car for some number of years after it had finished Camel Trophy. It uh, it came back in, apparently, according to Jim, pretty good condition from Camel Trophy, which, you know, uh, air quotes around pretty good condition when it comes to Camel Trophy cars. But uh, but then it was, you know, it was used uh, by Land Rover, as a lot of these cars were, as training vehicles or promotional vehicles. They would take them to dealerships. They would do all kinds of stuff with them. The 93 car, which was the winning U.S. team, famously fell off of a trailer being moved between events and uh and then there's a whole history which i'm sure anyone who knows anything about camel trophy cars uh has has heard about uh, the uh the <laughs> insane story around the 93 uh, u.s team car i nearly um, but i nearly purchased that vehicle oh did you before or after the huge amount of controversy uh before the huge amount of controversy um, yeah. I, uh, I know where it exists now, but I am sworn to secrecy about its, uh, current, uh, location yeah. and whereabouts. 
I want nothing to do with anything about it. Uh, I the uh, gentleman who had purchased the car uh, or, uh, during the turmoil did reach out to me about some parts and some things like that, and. Uh, I had a cordial conversation and then uh, immediately uh, uh, got myself out of that entire conversation very quickly as I burn don't the, burn yeah, the phone number. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, Pull the pin on that grenade and threw it into the parking lot. So no, uh, you know, no contact since then. And, uh, you know, it is a, it is a thing. This one, on the other hand, completely uh, above board uh, with title and all that jazz. Uh, really a pretty neat car um, and a really cool history. It's interesting that the previous owner took Jim and Dan's names off the side of the car, which is kind of a weird choice. Um, but uh, apparently, you know, last Jim saw it, it had their names on it still, but I guess at some point one of the private owners took the names off, which I think, you know, that's kind of, it's a race car. It's weird to mess with any of its, uh, you know, sort of uh, pet degree like that but uh hopefully this uh owner will uh you know will sort of uh not restore it you don't ever want to restore these cars but there are things you can do to just make sure that they don't completely fall apart and that uh you know that they're uh, they're kept in an accurate and uh you know sort of a thoughtful uh way and it sounds like given the purchase price it's going to be it's it's going to be cared for in a way it's going to be it's going to be encased in lucite somewhere yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, apparently uh, there's a little bit of uh, confusion around who the actual buyer is and some of that sort of stuff. So we'll see. Hey, reach out to us if you'd like to talk about your new uh, Camel Trophy uh, truck on the show. Uh, certainly happy to uh, uh, to have a dialogue about it. Uh, reach out to us through uh, our anchor site. Leave us a voicemail. Do whatever it is that you want. Send up a signal pigeon, flare, Instagram. Smoke you know, signal. Whatever. Smoke signal. Smoke signal. <laughs> Ham radio, whatever long distance. If you're on HF, uh, happy to uh, happy to have a conversation. Uh, whatever. If the ionospheric propagation is good, uh, uh, then uh, come on, uh, come on in, and we'll we'll chat about your new Land Rover acquisition. We were just talking about uh, you know starting a Camel Trophy event right before the show, featuring classic Camel Trophy vehicles. Yep, I like to call it Camel Trophy: The Next Generation, <laughs> and uh, we will, uh, yeah, we'll take all of these uh, decrepit, uh, uh, aged, thirty-year-old vehicles, um, and uh, you know, and just go for it. You know, I think I think that's what the people are looking for. Oh, I, I, I think the viewership would be through the roof. You, uh, that would be a great thing for a Patreon. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Ike, uh, in uh, today's uh, top shop tool tip, shop tip, top tip, I thought we might talk a little bit about uh, something that every uh, vintage, and quite frankly, all the way up to modern Defender, uh, excluding the new Defender, owners deal with, and that is the best way to remove a rivet, either pop rivet or traditional aircraft uh, hand uh, rivet or bucked rivet or whatever. What do you how, what do you call the regular mushroom head rivets? The non the non uh, pop rivets. What are, what's what's your favorite term? You know, uh, we refer to those as dome head hammer rivets, and mm-hmm. uh, that's sort of the classic Landor rivet going back to the series one. And they continued that into the Series 3 production. And then during Series 3 production, they they cheaped out. They went to uh, pop rivets in uh, most applications. But, you know, having said that, there are a number of rivet types that are used throughout the Land Rover. And, uh, you know, the most common ones are the, the dome head hammer rivet, the countersunk hammer rivet, 
the semi-tubular rivet, which is used on the door seals and around the roof gutter. The the roof gutter is is another one where there's a a great number of those. And then, of course, the the closed-end blind rivet or the pop rivet. And, uh, you know, when you're restoring a Land Rover, you got to take it apart. And to take it apart, you got to remove all these fasteners. Um, Sometimes you got to remove even the spot welds, you know, that hold the the panels together. And that's another, you know, similarly... Uh, intricate process to carefully remove those and, and save the, the panels that you want to save and get rid of the other ones. But um, yeah, we, we remove and replace a lot of rivets every day here at the shop. And what is your uh, favorite uh, tool for doing that? I, what's, I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you that most of the time with the um, hammered rivets or sometimes we'll call them in, I, maybe it's a Canadian thing, maybe not. Maybe it's an airline industry thing, but bucked rivets uh, in that you, you know, they have a bucking bar that goes beside them. I've, I've often heard them called and in fact, called them myself bucked rivets, um, that, uh, you know, I'll center punch them and, and carefully drill them out with a gauge of uh, drill or a, uh, diameter of drill that is just, uh, smaller than the, uh, shank inside, uh, so that I have a chance of, of breaking that rivet and retrieving both pieces so that you don't have panels full of rivet backs, which is always a fun thing when you come to a sudden stop in a Land Rover that has been maybe not restored in in the best way and you hear what sounds like a hundred rusty screws coming towards you as all of those rivet ends uh, ripple forward inside of the vehicle we call it the maraca effect and uh <laughs> yeah it, it is it is pretty annoying and sometimes in certain cases it's unavoidable and a good example yeah. of that is the windshield frame you know mm-hmm. the the original land rover soft tops uh were actually the the pieces that support the soft top sometimes it's called the shark's tooth rail or the forward rail of the soft top Mm -hmm. is actually riveted to the windshield frame which is in a hollow enclosed section and so when you drill that the rivet tails inevitably fall into the hollow frame and there's not a great way to retrieve them unless you make an access hole to sort of shake them out and that's another thing we like to see here in the shop is uh, people shaking large Land Rover panels in an effort to get those rivet tails out, whether it's a door frame or a windshield frame. Uh, always like to tease people when uh, when that happens. But to answer your question, my favorite tool for removing rivets is, of course, a blowtorch. But uh, the best tool to use <laughs> is, uh, is probably uh, a chisel in some cases or a drill in others. And uh, you, you have a, a special tool that you use to remove rivets. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's a company, Aircraft Tool Supply Company, um, and they make uh, aircraft fabrication tools. Um, so they uh, are a, a little company. They're here in the United States. A lot of their stuff is actually U.S. made um, because it's made for the specialty vintage airplane market, which is not, as you can imagine, enormous, but it is inhabited by some very wealthy mechanics uh, because this is like super snap-on stuff. But they make a tool which is essentially a, a self-centering drill apparatus, which allows you to match both the outside diameter of the rivet head um, with an appropriate sized center drill. And this whole tool is sort of spring-loaded and allows you to 
push the tool into the rivet, self-centering right on the head so you don't need to center punch uh, the rivets. It will core out the rivet very precisely and also dump all the chips kind of back and out the side because everybody's had that, you know, one go a little bit stray and, and, you know, go winging across a panel or God forbid you have a painted panel that you need to do some type of work on. You put it on wrong or you need to do a repair. And so you're taking a rivet out of a painted panel and you don't want to completely destroy the surrounding area trying to remove this. This works really, really well for that. I will say the drill material is very brittle. So these are super hard drill bits. I imagine because they're, you know, they're meant to be used with aviation buck rivets or something that are of a different grade of aluminum or who knows, right? Or, you know, whatever these materials are. And uh, so especially with steel cord pop rivets, they do tend to break the drill bits. Uh, They sell extra drill bits for like 10 bucks. You can get another set, but it's pretty cool. I have to say like they, um, they obviously understand the world of riveting. They have a great tubular rivet squeezer that is a CNC'd uh, head uh, rivet squeezer that I really like, unlike the traditional aluminum uh, cast uh, rivet squeezer. Um, this is a CNC'd aluminum. It has 360-degree rotation so that you can put the handle in exactly the right spot. A thing I don't love about the traditional um, you know, sort of U-shape uh, cast rivet squeezer is that you can't move the handles to exactly the right spot. This one that they make, of course, again, it's all real expensive, but um, does a really great job, especially especially like in the corners of door panels and stuff where it's hard to get that traditional rivet squeezer on the tubular rivets to get it just right, to get it nice and square. This allows you to get that little bit of flexibility either way. So great website. They have some really, really cool stuff. Um, And, you know, the world's most fanciest rivet guns, uh, you know, an air pneumatic air, uh, you know, pneumatic air uh, rivet hammer for bucking rivets, Uh, really cool set of bucking bars, a bucking bar in nearly every shape uh, known to mankind. You can really you can really sort of set up a, a bucking bar in, in whatever shape you want. You know, there's a, there's actually a really good bucking bar available from Harbor Freight. And uh, it's, uh, it's got a pretty good selection of intricate head shapes. It's, you know, double-ended, and then it has uh, extensions on each end and, uh, you know, flats and narrow spots. And it will yeah. it will get in and set most of the rivets in a Land Rover, and it's only like seven dollars. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I have um, I have a couple of aircraft tool supply ones. I think I I don't think I have that Harbor Freight one. I have from Canada uh, a Princess Auto set of bucking bars oh. that I bought in the in the mid '90s. And uh, they still work exactly. They have moved from Canada to, you know, to Florida to the to to Los Angeles with me, and they weigh like you know ninety pounds. Um, but they work uh, like uh, like the business. And Princess Auto is. I like to think Princess Auto is probably. I think Princess Auto would like to think they're probably a little, a little higher end than Harbor Freight. Uh, whether that's true or not, well, I don't know. Rank Canadian Tire in there. Canadian Tire, I would say. Ooh, on some things they're parallel with a Princess Auto, um, but Princess Auto is a place that you're going to go and get army surplus ammo cans next to like a, a child's electronic toy that was obviously surplused from some department store in the 70s next to a you know vacuum test kit uh, that you know that a that, a, that a, a mechanic shop would use uh, next to like a patio umbrella 
Like they've got the weirdest stuff and they've got it in every shape and size. You can get every kind of pneumatic valve and tube. It's sort of a little bit tractor supply, a little bit uh, Harbor Freight, um, whereas Canadian Tire now pretty down the middle you know they're they've got like a pretty pretty reasonable hardware department store now i haven't lived in canada in nearly 20 years so it's i don't know maybe hard maybe canadian tire is 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 a whole different thing now i will tell you that i have spent canadian tire money as canadian money in the united states and got a reasonable exchange rate for it so did they make their own coinage Oh, they make their own paper money. So you would go to Canadian Tire and you would spend $10 and they would give you one Canadian Tire dollar. Um, or I don't even think it was that much. I honestly think it was like you'd spend $100 and they would give you one Canadian Tire dollar. And that Canadian Tire dollar like had like the Canadian Tire logo on it, had like a weird Scottish guy on the back of it. But it was like different colors and denominations and things. And you'd usually like give it to kids to play with it or whatever. But some people like were really big about collecting it. They would actually go and buy things at Canadian Tire with it. Like you could get a, a lawnmower with your Canadian Tire money. But the big joke was you could usually, it depends on where in the United States you are, the farther away from the border you get, the more they will accept it as actual Canadian money because they don't know the difference. I don't think that's the case anymore, obviously, nor do I think they have paper Canadian tire money, but it was a good time. Yeah, maybe there is no difference. It's just like uh, if you look at the fine prints, it is legal tender of Canada. <laughs> it is just Canadian legal tender. Yeah, could very well be. Anyway, so the aircraft tool supply uh, company, uh, Rivet Remover, Pretty cool. Their rivet squeezers are cool. Um, you know, I'm a, I am a, I am a fan, but they uh, they do get a bit spendy. But uh, hey, if you're squeezing tubular rivets, you've already gone down a pretty deep rabbit hole. So why not have a fancy tool to do it? Yeah, you know, with a number of rivets in a roof, uh, it, it probably would pay off. There is so many uh, semi tubular rivets in the roof, uh, both to remove and to replace. I mean, we're talking hundreds of rivets. It's uh, Oh, yeah. it, it's pretty daunting. It's it's really time-consuming job. So anything to make that uh, go faster, I'm all in favor. So, so Ike, you you were recently on uh, a quick trip to uh, the beautiful uh, state of Utah and uh, and out uh, taking some photos in uh, in in the Moab uh, region. So talk to me about that. How was that trip? That trip was wonderful. You know, it was uh, you know preceded by an invitation from a friend of mine who is in the uh, Pacific Coast Land Rover Club. Uh, shout out to Chauncey Curl, which is a great name and uh, a great person. Uh, Chauncey uh, is a motorcycle enthusiast as well as a Land Rover enthusiast. He has a Defender 90, 300 TDI car, and um, he has my old Series 2A Sir Charles Berkeley, which inexplicably has uh, Sir Charles written on the door in Gothic script. And uh, the uh, previous owner is a lady on Facebook who will not return my messages. So I have no way to know its origins. I am oh. I am uh, intensely curious about why it says Sir Charles on the door. At any rate, that's another story. But uh, uh, Moab was wonderful. Uh, went out there for a week and uh, did some Land Rovering. Brought the Series 1 80-inch uh, that I call the cow. It's a 49 model um, ex-military truck that was imported into the United States by Glenn Carberry in the 1960s through his dealership Carberry Motors, which is a famous, famous Land Rover dealership um, uh, there in Willits, California. 
Yep. So we went out to, uh, to Moab and met up with some other Land Rover enthusiasts and some motorcycle enthusiasts, and we just had a high-ho time uh, doing some of the beautiful trails there and taking photos and hiking and seeing the petroglyphs and dinosaur footprints and, uh, you know, uh, all the beautiful sights of Moab uh, covered in side-by-side ATVs, which are street legal there. And uh, uh, they're everywhere. The entire town of Moab, Utah, is overrun by side by side, you know, broy types racing there. They are the feral hog of the mechanized vehicle world. Oh my God. I cannot wait until they cull them all. And I think like feral hogs, even if every uh, citizen of the United States uh, would go out and shoot two or three feral hogs, if everyone in the United States would junk two or three side-by-sides, we would still be overrun. We, we can't keep up. We've already lost the race. Why do we even try? You know, that I, I recently read a study that said that uh, side-by-side owners are uh, uh, 40% douchier than... Uh, than four-wheel drive owners. It, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I would believe that. Yeah, I would believe that. Yeah, at least, at least. Anytime there is a, a defacement of a cultural artifact or, uh, yeah. you know, somebody is uh, 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 urinating in the endangered pupfish pool in the middle of Death Valley, there are always side-by-side tracks leading away from the scene of the crime. It's just that's, that's exactly right. That's yep. the way it goes. So, at any rate, aside from that, uh, it was uh, it was a wonderful time. We did the Moab Rim Trail, which is a hundred mile trail, uh, requires a permit, and uh, that was spectacular. It's been a long time since I've been out there, and uh, we we made a full day of it. I think it took us uh, ten hours or something to to do the circumnavigation of the White Rim Trail and uh, worth every minute. It was uh, super fun. Saw a lot of really unhappy mountain bikers out there who were, uh, you know, grinding their way up the grades. They were uh, looking wistfully at our Land Rovers and motorcycles, but uh, we offered them water and snacks and uh, they were very friendly. We had a good time. Oh, that's excellent. I uh, I do love that part of the country. It is uh, sort of crazy that it's uh, right in the middle of the United States and is entirely prehistoric in its uh, landscape or uh, Martian or however you want to describe it. It is kind of like no other place um, on Earth. It's a very, uh, very special thing for sure and definitely worth a trip. So amazing off-roading, some great, great side-by-side uh, <laughs> property destruction to be had. Ike, do you know, uh, like a murder of crows, do you know what you call a group of side-by-side uh, uh, owners? Ooh, that's a great question. I'm going to say it's a four loco of side by sides. <laughs> I was going to say a vape of side by sides, but I think a four loco. A vape of side by sides. That's also perfect. You know, yeah. there can be both. You know, there's a there's a wise of owls and the parliament of owls. It can be there can be two terms for that. There can be two. Yeah. Uh, but I believe, like the Highlander, when it comes to owning a side by side, there can only be one. I think you you are looking to be ultimately the uh, the uh, the owner of the ultimate side by side, and only by defeating other side by side owners <laughs> can you hope to achieve that uh, goal. So, well, I, I'll tell you what we've got some kind of interesting stuff coming up on the big Patreon. So, a lot of people probably don't know. Um, well, first of all, seeing has the podcast is only a 
officially launched to the public, but a mere week ago, of course, for you and I, this has been a month long, uh, months, months long uh, containment uh, quarantine uh, activity. But of course, we have just recently unleashed it onto an unwilling and uh, unwitting public, um, and are getting uh, you know uh, you know marginally harsh criticism uh, over it, which I think is better than I expected. Um, but we do, in fact, have uh, a Patreon and will be creating the most exclusive uh, content uh, for that Patreon. One thing that I thought I would get up to uh, towards the end of this week and into early next week is a demonstration of the famous Canadian mousing tool, as you uh, Americans, of which, by the way, two weeks ago, I became an American. I am now officially uh, a, a United States citizen. So congratulations. I have to stop making fun. Congratulations. Yeah, I yeah. have to pump the brakes on making fun of Americans because I am now self-deprecating in those comments. For, but, uh, for our uh, international listeners, uh, what that means is Stephen now owns seven guns. That's exactly right. I was actually uh, given a pickup truck, a gun, and a Toby Keith CD to listen to uh, on the way home from the swearing-in uh, from the swearing-in ceremony. So uh, yeah, it's uh, I've immersed myself completely in the culture, and uh, yeah, it is uh, it is fantastic. So like Elmer Fudd. Um, it uh, so anyways. That being said, I was going to do a demo on the famous Canadian mousing tool or the safety wire pliers uh, here of the uh, United States. Um, and uh, post that up only only for our Patreon uh, members. Uh, we have some exclusive merch that's going up there. The classic Land Rover, uh, let's call it Circle uh, Underpowered Hour logo. Uh, we're going to do some T-shirts, uh, stickers, things like that for uh, for all of our uh, loyal uh, listeners. Uh, give uh, people an opportunity uh, to wear that in a mall and have everyone think it's a Jeep. Um, we also have uh, coming up in the near future uh, some shop tours, some car walkarounds, uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of great stuff uh, coming up. Um, potentially some tasteful nudes. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Anything? I don't believe you could do that on Patreon. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that would have to be a fans only thing. But uh, well, we'll see. If the Patreon doesn't work out and we get desperate enough. Who knows? The sky is the limit. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. I am definitely planning to do some uh, exclusive content for our Patreon. Uh, some uh, drives, you know, drive videos of uh, some of our uh, more special Land Rovers that uh, don't make it onto our Instagram and uh, other platforms. Definitely want to get those out. Talk a little bit about their histories. And uh, also some how-to videos I think would be good. Uh, your mousing pliers video. Uh, maybe we can do one of your uh, rivet removal tool, and we can do some of setting rivets. You know, for those of you who are restoring Land Rovers at home, I think that's always a valuable skill. Nothing, nothing makes me sadder than a Land Rover full of pop rivets. And so, uh, pop rivets and smiley faced bucked rivets is uh, is a sad day indeed. You know, I had uh, Chris, uh, my uh, my very good friend. Uh, he uh, his his father is an airplane mechanic, owned an airline in Canada for uh, years and years and years, and he's a uh, a very old school uh, airplane uh, mechanic, very spry gentleman, uh, but old school uh, airplane mechanic. And he actually uh, is the one that taught me how to uh, properly uh, do a hammered buck rivet. Um, as 
uh, airplane mechanic style, which, as you can imagine, is far more anal retentive, I'm sure, than anyone at the Land Rover factory uh, ever did when putting the cars together uh, originally. So, uh, yeah, certainly uh, it's a fun skill to learn. It's not really that hard. There's a little bit of trickery to it and, and sort of understanding how it how it works. But the first time you do it right and uh, you don't smiley or rivet, uh, it's a pretty great feeling and uh, and it looks real cool. And, and it's you know? it's it's more economical than a lot of people think. You know, a lot of people think that it requires a lot of uh, special equipment, but uh, you can definitely get enough uh, to set some rivets in the sub $100 range. And so I think it's well, well worth it. Well, and the rivets are relatively inexpensive. You can get them at, you know, you can get them from McMaster Car in any shape, size, and configuration that you might want. It's not a, it's not an exotic uh, uh, thing. And then, you know, uh, you can use, uh, you can use them all kinds of places. I actually rivet all kinds of silly things that, you know, you would probably do. There's a hundred better ways to do it, maybe. But I like the way rivets look. I like doing them, and uh, and I think that, yeah, it's a, it's a fun skill. So all my that stuff's going to be all my bath towels in my house are riveted. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone riveted to the towel rack. And so you sort of end up getting out of the shower and then sort of you kind of rub against the towel more than rubbing the towel against you. It's a it's a sort of a different way to do it. But uh, once you kind of again, once you get the hang of it, you can't imagine doing it in any other way. I have some old factory Land Rover footage uh, of of them riveting towels and we'll put that up on our Patreon. Yeah, that's going to be deep in the Patreon for sure. So uh, head on over to Patreon, the Underpowered Hour on Patreon. Check that out. Um, and as always, follow us on the Instagrams, on the any number of places that we happen to inhabit uh, on the Internet. Always happy to interact with your comments. Give us your criticisms, your concerns, uh, your deeply seated offenses from things that uh, we have said uh, about uh, side-by-side uh, four-by-fours. So on that note, Ike... We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Stephen. Looking forward to it. The Underpowered Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. Consider supporting the show through our Patreon. And when you do, you'll be given access to exclusive content and Underpowered Hour merch. Want even more Underpowered Hour? Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Twitter.